1: The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike Detail, along with Charlie Long. On our Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line is Odyssey Sports NFL insider Mark Schlereth. Inside callers, Inside calls are brought to you by O Spice. Men have skin too. Mark is also the host of the stinking truth podcast covering the entire NFL. Make sure to follow the stinking truth podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it.
0: You got it, man. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys.
1: Uh, Mark, uh, your thoughts, um, because everything this week's all been about what Dan Campbell did or didn't do uh, on it. But if you've watched the lions, Uh, He's done this all season long. You you know, I I get it. It wouldn't have been what I would have done. I'd have been more conservative and I'd have kicked the field goal. I would not have run the football on the third down. But he has always been, Mark, to me, a hyper-aggressive coach. And so it's won for him all those times, and now he gets criticized for it because it didn't work. If it had worked, oh, Dan Campbell's a genius uh, for doing this. What a great play call. But it goes to show that's... What, why they pay you all that money to
0: coach, yeah, well, i mean i I get it, but you know each game is its own separate entity, and each game has to be coached in a manner to say, "Hey, what gives us the best opportunity to win on the road in the nFC championship yeah. game, and you know I get it, you know, you've got a guy in Reynolds that drops a ball that should have <laughs> been complete, and that would have been a first down, but You know, I think about it from a different standpoint, I guess. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. And if you learned anything from the Dallas game, which would have been the number two seed overall, you know, I I get it. Like a two-point conversion, and and we've talked about this before. You have one in any game plan that you go into that you like or or that you maybe you love, and then one that you kind of like, and that's it. The rest of them are your third down package or your goal line package. And from the, you know, three yard line, it's your third down package. Well, here's the issue that you get into. Like if you're doing it from a third down package standpoint, you don't have depth. So you're really playing against 12 defenders, the 12th defender being the end line. So all those, all those plays that you try to go high, low and create space. Well, that doesn't work when you're on the three yard line. Cause there is no space. So you're limiting there. And then the two-point conversion plays, you, do you know how many times we practice the two-point conversion during the course of a week? Once. There's a five-play period goal-line two-point conversion play. And you do it on Friday. So that means half the time you're doing it at half-speed walkthrough. So, it, you know, I, I get into this. It's what's best for us as a football team at this particular point in time. And the best thing you could have done you kick a field goal. You go up by 17 points on a 46-yard field goal. You go up by 17 points, three scores, and guess what? Now you kick off to them. There's a TV timeout. Now you kick off to them. There's another TV timeout. And at the end of the day, whatever momentum, like you, you, you don't have momentum, and the time that has lapsed is six minutes because you've had at least one or two TV timeouts. So instead, you go for it on fourth down. You don't convert. There's a drop. Instantly, they've got momentum. And now they're only down by two scores. And they go and score. Like, I I get that that's revisionist history. But the bottom line is by making that decision with seven minutes left in the third quarter, you gave them hope and you gave them momentum. And that's my problem with that. And then, of course, the one in the fourth quarter where you can make it 27-27 and you decide to go for it. That's just dumb. Yeah, I, I mean agree. that was just dumb. And don't tell me you do it all the time because at the end of the second half you didn't go for it. No, he did.
1: But he so, his trend was that way throughout the year. So when I saw him go for it, it was no surprise to me.
0: It, no, it really no, wasn't
1: I, a surprise to me.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a surprise to me either. I just, again, I just disagree with the situation. And there's part of me that believes that a lot of this stuff has happened. Simply because of the way the analytics has worked out, you know, you you let analytics people get in your ears and and talk to you about, hey, what you know, what the percentages are and all that stuff. And I just am not a believer, man. I, I you got to go with your gut, you got to go with the situation, you got to go with how you're feeling. Are we blocking them? Like all those different things. Um, but I just agree with those two decisions.
1: Mark, uh, you spent a good portion of your career in Washington with the. It was at that time, the Redskins, not a Commanders. Uh, Your thoughts on what's happened today when, uh, man, everybody was reporting. It looked like Ben Johnson had the job. He was going to be the new head coach uh, of the Washington Commanders. Okay, and you got the hierarchy. They fly into Detroit, and halfway there, they get a phone call. Hey, Ben Johnson's not interested. Uh, They were going to also interview Aaron Glenn. Your thoughts on that situation with the Commanders because, okay, you got a super high pick in this year's draft. You got money capital. Um, Sort of what has unraveled here? Because you knew Rivera. He was one of the first ones that got pink slipped. So you got time to sort of build uh, that group of head coaches you want. You've waited all this time. Now you want to talk to Johnson, and then he pulls out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, like Ben, and I talked to Ben um, about it, couple of months, I guess a couple of months ago, I was doing a Detroit game and he was really like, Hey man, I'm not in a hurry. I am young. I'm in a great place. I've got a great quarterback. I've got a great offensive football team. And, and, and he loves Dan Campbell. He's like, I am not in a hurry. So it's going to have to be a perfect situation. Now, Hey, had it been the chargers, I think you'd have gone, you know, you got Herbert, you know, and, and you've got an opportunity to do something special. But I, I will tell you, and, and you guys know this as well as I do, just because you draft one high doesn't mean the guy can play. You know, and, and I, get so, I, get so upset about, I get so upset about, like, the divisional round. Seven of the eight quarterbacks were first-rounders. Oh, ask me how Cleveland feels about Baker Mayfield being a first-rounder. How's that working out in Cleveland for them? It's not. How about Los Angeles? You know, they paid to get Jared Goff to leave. So, you know, and Jared Goff, to me, has developed into a top-ten quarterback. I think he's awesome. But, you know, I mean, you sit there and tell me, like, sit there and tell me in any NFL franchise, if you draft a quarterback and he becomes a bust, like, how the Jets feel about uh, Sam Darnold right now? If Sam Darnold goes somewhere next year after a year of rehab under Kyle Shanahan and lights it up, you think the Jets are going to go? The Jets fans are going to go. Yeah, we got that one. Perfect.
1: Oh, but Zach awesome. Wilson,
0: right? <laughs> so, just, so don't give me this whole first round. Like seventy-five percent of the guys can't play dead in the Western. So you know, it, it, just because you have a high draft pick doesn't mean <laughs> the dude you pick can play. Um, I, I think we've seen we've seen and we've seen guys that can play. You got to pick the right guy. And so you know, I don't, I don't. I don't know, but Ben wasn't in a hurry. He told me he wasn't in a hurry, and he stayed pretty true to his word, it looks like.
1: One of the things you looked at Kansas City, and we've had a couple of their coaches come to our Louisiana line camp, Uh, Pete Jenkins sort of runs it along with Kevin Mawai, and and two years ago, I asked him, man, you got all these young pieces on defense. How good your defense is? Uh, Brandon Daly, who's their linebackers coach, uh, run defense uh-huh. coordinator. And he was like, Mike, I don't really know. i got a lot of young pieces here, but I do have Chris Jones. He said, that, that one I can tell you about. This year, when we sit down to talk, I said, how you like your defense? He said, man, we're going to be really good and we really young, but we talented and young, and we fit. The players we got all sort of fit what we want them to do. And I also look at Detroit in that one draft. You get Jameer Gibbs and Campbell, Brian Branch, Sam Laporta. Bang, 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 bang. That's how you build a football team. And what the Chiefs did two years ago, and every draft choice makes it, and I think right now five of the seven are starting for them in, in one capacity or another. That's how you build it, and what you brought up about fit, I think is so important in this league, and it gets overlooked at draft time
0: yeah, I don't think there's any question and I mean i've been around I've been around so many guys that probably could have been great players, but they went to the wrong place yep, and it just didn't work. you know he, here's a guy that I think i mentioned I mentioned this guy, uh Sam darnold, a year of football rehab under Kyle Shanahan. And I did the San Francisco 49ers uh, last two games of the season. And so I spent some time with Sam Darnold, talking to Sam Darnold, and and Kyle Shanahan because I've known Kyle since he was 14 years old. And, you know, he goes, you know, here's Sam Darnold. You know, the third overall pick goes to the Jets. Jeremy Bates is their offensive coordinator. He worked for, you know, he worked under Adam Gase in Denver, and he worked with with Tom Brady. I mean, excuse me, uh, Peyton Manning. And he's like, listen, man, like he rolls in there as a rookie and they're trying to run the Peyton Manning offense, which is, hey, let's just be static. Nobody motions so we don't get any pre-snap tells. Just diagnose the defense, Peyton, pre- and then post-snap and throw it to the guy that you think is going to be open. Kyle kind of was like, there's one person and one person on the planet that can run that offense, and it's Peyton Manning. And so you put him into this. And he fails miserably. Well, there's a reason he fails miserably. He went to you know coaching staff that are idiots, and then ultimately, um, you know, Sam goes. The first time that he's ever been in a true progression offense was the year before, not last, not last season, but the year before last season, when when uh, Steve Wilkes took over as the head coach, and Ben McAdoo became the offensive coordinator. So the last half of his of his you know year in Carolina. Like you think about that, so like this is the first year that he's actually operated a real live, true NFL offense, and you know, and you know he's he and he's a bust, right? He's he's bad. This would be so. The next team will be he'll be on will be his fourth team, but he had to go through it, and he turned down more money to go other places just so he could go and work with Kyle Shanahan and learn an actual NFL offense. And I think that that's a guy it's going to have kind of one of those opportunities to be like a Baker Mayfield and what Baker Mayfield did in Tampa this year. And so, you know, but it, it just being in the right place. And you talked about their defense, man. You took the top from bottom with Bolton at the middle <laughs> linebacker position. You talked about Chris Jones. You got Carl Loftus really good. Then you look at, you know, Snead and McGuffey and the And, and Reed. Reed, yeah. They're back in. They're back in. They have the ability to come up, press you and man, disrupt you, reroute you, um, create opportunities. You know, it's, we always talk about when the back end and the front end, you know, combined well, like when, when you combine well and you play well, you complement one another, um, rush and, and coverage complements one another, you got a chance to be really good. And the Kansas City Chiefs are really good when it comes to complementing one another between rush, pass rush and coverage.
1: We're speaking with Mark Schler from Odyssey Sports. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Charlie, you have a question for Mark.
0: Yeah, Mark, just looking at the AFC Championship game, I know we've just talked about Kansas City's defense and how elite it's been. Everyone kind of talked about Baltimore, the top-scoring defense, but Kansas City was right there at number two. And, I mean, they showed it against that Ravens offense. But at the same time, What the Ravens went in and did was so unlike them. Mike, you had shared the stat last week that nobody ran the ball more than they threw it outside of Baltimore. Baltimore was the only one that did it, and they just went away from it in that game. I mean, if you're looking at their season averages, the amount of times that they gave the ball to the running back, the running back carries 22.3 per game. That's a ton. But at the same time, their lowest was 15 in the regular season. Against Kansas City, it was 6. Two carries yeah. were given to Zay Flowers, and then Lamar ran a few times as well. Six running back carries in that game against Kansas City. It just seemed like they went away from what worked for them all season long. In, inexcusable. And, you know, it's one of these things. I get this with coordinators all the time and, and head coaches at call plays. And it's 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 an epidemic in my mind. Like, there are things we, we used to call just tank plays. We're going to call it running. And we're just tougher and bigger and better than you. And we're going to out-execute you. Right, and now it's all about hey the perfect play we've got the perfect play dialed up and if they give us this we're gonna go to this and if they give us this we're gonna go to this and you know and and I look at that like really because now I'm sitting on my heels and nobody gets to be able to to dictate to the other team and you know they call them they call them premium plays we can always get into a premium play like no you can't sometimes you just got to call it and run it and Baltimore is so good especially with the zone read stuff you know, because they'll flag that ball in the running back's belly. And if, you know, the read is to hand it to him because the defensive end kind of surfs and doesn't, it doesn't pinch like that guy's going to get four yards before anybody can tackle because the backside, you know, the, the, the cornerback and the safety and the, and the linebackers, are not going to constrict because they're so worried about Lamar pulling it and getting around the edge. Right. And so it, it just becomes a, all the RPO stuff that's created off of that stuff, right? And and that's what they do. And the one thing, when I talk to coordinators and, and I've done Baltimore games, they all say the same thing. We're going to try to make Lamar be a pocket passer. We're going to try to make him be a dropback passer because that's not what he does well. And yet, the Baltimore Ravens almost, it felt like the Baltimore Ravens said, hey, our quarterback is just as good as your quarterback, and we're going to out Mahomes Mahomes. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing. Like, the, you're not because you know what? Mahomes is better than you. And he's a better quarterback than you are. You're an unbelievable athlete. Lean into it, embrace it. You did it all season long, and then all of a sudden we're going to get to the AFC Championship and not be who we are? Like, it, that is that. And not only that, you know, you're, you, you're playing against the world champions. You think you're going to intimidate them? You think you're going to get four personal fouls and be able to overcome that? How dumb are you guys? Like they play. You're either coaching or allowing it to happen. They played stupid. They had a bad game plan and they played dumb. You're not going to win those games, and and they didn't. And and you know what? And that's to me on those coaches and the fact that those coaches allow that stuff to happen.
1: Mark, I told this to Bob last week. Don't bet against Pat Mahomes. He was like fourteen Mike, and three. He was like Mike. No, come 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 on. Uh, this is the year for the Ravens. I said okay, 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 okay. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, we argue about uh, very few things. But he was like, no, Mike. I'm telling you, but this is Baltimore's yeah. year. And then at the end of the game, he was, what kind of game plan was that? <laughs> you got to be careful. It's like Bob. Don't ask me. You're the one who picked him. Yeah. So you know, hey, lay off of that. Lay off of that. But Andy Reid and what Spags did. Really was impressive in that game to pull that out, and we know they limited on offense to some extent. Certainly outwitted the receiver part, but man, they make it work. And man, in big games, Mahomes is special.
0: Yeah, he is. He he just he's you know as much as I living in Denver, as much as I want to hate his guts, <laughs> I just don't. I just I, I'm just I'm a fan of greatness, and that dude is great.
1: Mark, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it, bud.
0: You got it, guys. Take care. All righty. That was
1: Odyssey Sports NFL Insider Mark Slareth. Inside Insider Carl's are brought to you by O Spice, where men have skin, too. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?